गुड आफ्टरनून सर माय नेम इज आकांक्षा हेंड आय एम द स्टूडंट ऑफ द कंप्यूटर डिपार्टमेंट फ्रॉम कमिन्स कॉलेज ऑफ इंजिनिअरिंग फॉर वुमेन नागपूर सर द श्लोक सा विद्या या विमुक्त मीन्स एज्युकेशन लीडर्स टू द लिबरेशन नाउ डेज एज्युकेशन इज प्रोवायडिंग अस फायनान्शियल इंडिपेंडन्स इट मेक्स अस एबल टू स्टँड ऑन अवर ओन फिट बट सर अकॉर्डिंग टू द वन स्टॅटस्टिक फोर्टी टू पर्सेंट ऑफ द वुमेन इवन आफ्टर हॅविंग हाय एज्युकेशन सच ॲज पासिंग आउट फ्रॉम आय आय टीज अँड आय आय एम्स आर स्टील अनएम्प्लॉयड सो सर माय क्वेश्चन टू यू इज दॅट बिसाईड्स फ्रॉम हॅविंग फायनान्शियल फ्रीडम वॉट काइंड ऑफ फ्रीडम दिस श्लोक इज स्टेटिंग अबाउट हाऊ वी वुमेन कॅन बी टोटली फ्री अँड वॉट काइंड ऑफ एज्युकेशन विल लीडर्स टू द ॲक्च्युअल लिबरेशन थँक यू सर वंडरफुल वॉट्स युअर नेम प्लीज अगेन आकांक्षा हिंड आकांक्षा वेरी नाईस क्वेश्चन टू बिगिन विथ आकांक्षा यू सी देर आर टू काइंड्स ऑफ बॉन्डेजेस ह्युमन बीइंग्स फेस ऑब्विसली इन्क्लुडिंग विमेन The first kind is the more visible kind, external bondages. So, for example, there might be laws in the country you are living in that forbid women from public places or working. Or there could be financial uh, constraints. And you can... see these why because financial numbers can be written down so we said there are two kinds of bondages women face the external bondages are more easily visible for example if you do not have money that will be visible in your bank statement right hmm if you are not encouraged to be educated that would reflect in your educational qualifications it is very obvious when there is an external constraint and external bondage right and that's the reason throughout the history of uh, the movements for women's emancipation there has been a lot of emphasis on bringing in equality and empowerment in the external direction so laws were made to protect women there were special incentives provided for women's education and uh, even reservations right so those things are there and they are all on the external front and when we find that there is equality when it comes to the external environment we kind of feel that uh, we have done justice to women however in this process sometimes we overlook the fact that greater bondages are not outside but inside that the real constraints are not so much in the external world but more within the individual 
which is the women in our case. Now, a lot has been done in the direction of fighting the inner constraints as well. But what has been done is surely not sufficient. Please understand, if as a girl or a woman, I remain mentally, culturally, what I have been since the last 20, 50, 100 or 200 years and only in the external domain I am handed over some powers, what will happen? Exactly the kind of thing that our questioner quoted. You will have great education and yet you will choose to remain unemployed. That was the figure that our friend quoted here, right? What did she say? That in spite of having the highest qualifications and the best professional education possible, she said 42% of those who have graduated from even the elite institutions are not found working. I do not have details of the source from where this data is flowing. But instinctively, I feel the data is authentic. You might graduate with a job because you are in a great campus where there are ample placement opportunities. But 10 years down the line, if we do a survey, what we find is that you have voluntarily given up working. Now, this is a direct result of thinking that the women's problems are mostly outside of her. So we want to give her social support, we want to give her financial support, we want to give her legal support and we think that she has been supported and now she'll be able to live a full and free life. That does not really happen. We are creatures of the mind. Our first life is within, we live within. If internally we remain as we have been since long, the external powers or facilities or qualifications that are given to us or that which we have earned with our labor will not prove to be of much avail. The first empowerment must happen within. It's not that external empowerment is of no use. Obviously, it is of great use. But external empowerment will not take the woman a long way if she has not been awakened within. If as a girl you carry the same stereotype of yourself and your place in the family and society that your mothers and grandmothers have been carrying, then you will find that you are condemned to live much the same life that was lived by women, that has been lived by women since centuries 
in spite of the fact that you are much better educated. And that will be a deeper tragedy, right? A woman, 50 years back, without education, without social support, if she were living a constrained life, that is understandable. But what if a girl who is highly educated and who has all the support of a liberal society is still found living a constrained life? You see, I'll repeat this point again and again today. Our first enemy sits within. And that enemy is the conditioning that has been drilled into our minds since childhood. Are you getting it? I remember one of my neighbors. For this uh, discussion, I'll just call her Prabha Aunty. And I was a kid. And she had a maid to help her with household work. And vividly I remember one day she was weeping and saying, there is really not much difference between me and the maid. And Prabha auntie was a working woman. She said, when I step out of the house, I have certain rights. She was working with the government. She had a government job. I have certain rights. I have duties to perform. And I'm an officer. But within the house, I'm much the same as what this maid is within her house. Actually, she earned more than uh, what her husband did. And still she was performing all the age-old roles. Much the same as what her maid was doing. So both are working women, right? Though they are working at different levels. Yet technically both are working women. The maid and the officer. Yet within, they both feel obliged, forced to follow the image of the ideal woman. And that cultural image of the ideal woman, let me suggest to you girls, will be your biggest problem throughout your life. As free individuals, as free thinkers, you'll have to figure out what your life is for. And your life cannot be determined by the patterns of the past. You cannot say, I'll have great education and a great job. And yet internally I will remain the same as that woman of the 19th or 18th century. 
Though if you remain that way, that is highly appreciated in social circles, is it not? They said, look at her. She earns so much. She is highly placed. She is learned. And yet, she follows the age-old dictums and confirms to the ancient images. If you do that, that's uh, like being a prisoner within hmm? and just, just claiming that you have a lot of freedom outside. The first freedom has to be within and the first freedom has to involve liberating your own image from the past. Otherwise, education, law, money, none of these will prove to be of much help. Are you getting it? What is this inner freedom? Now that's where Vedant comes in. Ya vidya sa the defining characteristic of real education, vidya, is that it will liberate you from within. Not that it will give you knowledge of world, literature, art, science, technology. No, all that comes later. All that is important but comes later. If education is real, if it really deserves to be called vidya, then it should liberate you from within. And liberation from within involves that. What have we captioned this talk as? Fearless living. Are you still afraid within? Or do you dare to take on the world? Or you just want to become an evolved version of the same being that has existed at least in India since so many centuries. You see, why do we have to talk so much about women's liberation? After all, men and women, both are just individuals. Right? Both have a consciousness that cries for freedom and flight. Both want to live lives of, of fulfillment, freedom, joy. Then why do we have to especially talk of women's liberation? Think of it. Not because the social conditions have been adverse. Not because the literacy rate among women has been lower. All that is secondary. The primary thing is that over the course of these centuries, 
women have been turned into their own deepest enemy and the self concept that a girl is made to develop right since her childhood is what keeps her in bondage the society we see cannot now rule you from the outside the laws favor you in fact a lot of men are now complaining that the laws favor women a little too much so much so that women have started misusing the laws so you cannot really be constrained from the outside there are laws there are academic institutions like yours devoted solely to women you have a women's commission you have reservations right from bus till the highest job possible why do we still have to talk of women's liberation because internally the woman is still very very constrained if you want to do something in life no law can stop you today in fact somebody tries to stop you you can move the court and the court even the courts are obliged to take up your matters on a priority basis you know of these things right you go to the police station with a complaint they are obliged to register an fir if a man goes to the police station the police is allowed by the law to first inquire on their own and check whether there is some validity in the complaint and then decide whether or not to write an fir but if you go there then so the laws support you the external environment today greatly supports women at least theoretically at least technically still women's liberation remains a very very pertinent issue today it's as significant today as it was 50 years 100 years back why because the chains the bondages they still live within the woman's mind and that's where we have failed that's where we have failed woman still thinks that she exists for the sake of others particularly for the sake of the family and nobody teaches this to you in textbooks this kind of cultural conditioning is slowly and silently fed into your mind through the narratives in the family through the movies through the songs even through the stories in your textbooks through a thousand channels the woman is made to believe that motherhood and raising a good family is her primary responsibility and that response this responsibility 
takes precedence over everything else. Her own development and liberation can wait. The baby is more important. And you can have well-qualified PhDs coming from Ivy League places. And you will find that even those ladies subscribe to this ideology. They don't even know that this is merely an ideology fed into their minds. They think that this is something unchangeable, some kind of a divine rule, some kind of a heavenly axiom, some kind of an unmovable truth. And as long as women identify so much with their biological role, there can be no liberation for them. As long as women identify so much with their bodies, there can be no liberation for them. But that's what the family and the movies make you believe in. When I say family, I mean physicality. That's what is family related to. When I say movies, I mean social influences. So physicality and the society. These are the two things that become your life. So I just arrived this morning and from the railway station till my hotel there are huge billboards and holdings. And what are these holdings uh, displaying? I noticed the ones from jewelry shops. Hmm? So very glamorous, voluptuous women with a lot of gold, lot of gold. And that image, let me please warn you girls, is extremely poisonous for you. And when you look at the woman in that picture, that large picture staring at the highway, what do you feel? The woman has earned that gold for herself? No. Typically that gold is given to her by some male member. Right? Right? Why is she wearing all that? Somebody has gifted it to her. Now why in this world where there are no free lunches, why would somebody gift so much gold to you? Why would, out of pure love, divine love, hmm? saintly love, and all the models in those pictures were outright sexy. Does that give you a hint why that gold was gifted to them? Do you see what the woman is 
made to believe about her body. She is made to believe that the body is her principal asset. Not her consciousness, not her knowledge, not her skills, not her exposure and experience, but the body is your principal asset. So if you can maintain and decorate your body, you will get a lot of gold. What does gold symbolize? What is gold a symbol of? Gold is a symbol of prosperity, money, comforts, conveniences. And that's the traditional role women have been assigned. You remain a body, you take care of the body and you keep producing more and more bodies and we will give you money, gold, conveniences, comfort, security. This is the internal bondage. Now tell me, do you want to live with this? Then one thing you must tell yourself is, this gold business is not for me. Your body does not exist to be decorated. Your body is not an asset to be monetized. Nor is your body a gun to be weaponized. These two are just the same things, no? Money is power and weapon too is power. Sometimes we use our body as an asset and because I have this asset, so I'll get gold. And sometimes we use this body as weapon. I have this weapon, so I can rule over you. You must learn to think of the body neither as an asset nor as a weapon. The body is just the body. And you are way beyond the body. You are a consciousness that strives for knowledge, for fullness, for freedom, for dignity. That's who you are. The society has a traditional and cultural stake in limiting you to your bodies. We are talking of the internal bondage, please. The society has a traditional stake in making you believe that your body is a very, very important thing. So much so that even today, so-called liberal girls slip into depression. If they find a few pimples on their face, why so much concern? Why? Are you equally concerned about the depth of your knowledge? About the strength of your determination? Do you worry equally about these things? No. Why? Because you were never taught to take these things as important. Dignity is important. Determination is important. Fearlessness is important. Courage is important. Surrendering to the right work is important. 
maintaining and trading the body is not important. It is not even dignified. It is lowly. Are you, are you getting it? Please forgive me the expression and empathize with my intent. But here is a question I sometimes ask. With all your education, with all your exposure and experience, one day do you want to be called well-qualified maids? then you will need to be internally free. Otherwise, the laws, the technology, money, none of these can save you. If I am my own enemy, who can save me? If I say I want to commit suicide because that gives me happiness, who can save me? You know, we, we talk of great friends of women. I was just gifted, I'm thankful for that uh, volume by Sri D.K. Karve. And we have many such luminous names who tried to help women. If you go through their uh, biographies, you will come upon something very, very strange and very poignant. There were several sections of the society that greatly resisted people uh, like, uh, like Raja Ram Mohan Roy, like uh, Sri Karve. Some of those sections are very predictable. Huh? The patriarchal class, the priests, you know they will resist women's empowerment. But I'll introduce to you one more section that was greatly against women's empowerment. Name that section. Women themselves women themselves, they would say that these people are not reformers, they are our enemies. Here within the four walls of the house, we are so secure and they want to pull us out. Traditions have given us honor and dignity and a place in the house and society and these people want to destroy traditions. The woman proves her own biggest enemy. I have spoken a lot on this and one day when I was speaking on dowry, someone said, it's not a man versus woman issue at all. It's not that the man demands dowry and the uh, woman's side pays the dowry. 
even from the man's side, it is usually the mother-in-law who is most vocal in demanding the dowry. So it's not man versus woman. The woman is her own enemy. The girl who suffered because her family had to pay dowry, when she becomes the mother-in-law, she is very vocal, very assertive. I need a lot of dowry. So many of these reformers actually faced active resistance from women themselves. There is that little analogy. A bird has been caged since long. Hmm? And it's a cage made of gold. And she has become accustomed to the cage. Within the cage, she has found her little nest and there are her eggs and her babies. And there is a lot of security. The cat cannot enter the cage. So she's secure there. And she's regularly fed. Good food is there. And the cage has spikes of gold. Nice. One day, some zealous madman, hmm? people call him a social reformer, decides to do something about the situation. So he fights all the people who have encaged the bird and he fights them with all his might. Gets thrashed, bleeds, is insulted, runs a lot of risk, faces defeats, but ultimately manages to open the gate of the cage. What does he find? He finds that the bird is abusing him. The bird is saying, go away, rascal. You have come to destroy me. But our rebellious man is quite stubborn. He says, I have fought the entire world to liberate her. How do I give up at the last moment? So he puts his hand inside the cage to bring the bird out. And what does the bird do? The bird bites and he bleeds again. And this time the blood is even more deeply red. That's what is internal bondage. Am I making sense? You should know who is your friend. You should know who is your enemy. Your emotions are not your friends. Your softness is not your friend. Those who talk sweetly to you are not necessarily your friends.
Keeping the spirit of righteousness alive, I would now request our Professor Rashmi Deshpande, ma'am, to propose the vote of thanks. A warm afternoon to one and all present here. Thank you is such a prayer that cannot be seen or touched. It must be felt by heart. On behalf of Maharshi Karve Sri Shikshan Samstas, Cummins College of Engineering for Women, Nagpur, I feel honored and privileged to get the opportunity to propose a vote of thanks on this special occasion. I extend a really hearty vote of thanks to our today's speaker, Acharya Prashanji. We are extremely fortunate that today we had an opportunity to hear his thoughts and this will surely be going to encourage us in our future endeavors. It was a wonderful opportunity to see a big personality like him on stage personally. We would like to thank all the honorable delegates of Prashant Advait Foundation for selecting our college for this wonderful mesmerizing event. Words are not enough to thank their const constant guidance and support to shape the event. We would like to thank Mr. Samir Bendre, sir, Chief People Officer of Persistent for providing this beautiful place and all the ground support to make this program successful. We are really thankful to the entire management of persistent systems for their cooperation and guidance. Our heartfelt thanks to all the management members of Maharshi Karvestri Shikshan Samstha and local management members for their constant support to make this event successful. I would also like to thank our principal sir for his instant support for this event. My heartfelt thanks to all the teaching, non-teaching staff and students for their valuable contribution. Last but not the least, I thank everyone for their cooperation in making this event a resounding success. Once again, thank you for your attention.